if you're running three successful and busy businesses, how do you find the time to actually plan to retire inside the next year? On this week's REI Branded Podcast episode, I'm speaking with Steve Padnack. He's a business owner, real estate professional in New York City, and he shares some of the life lessons that he he has from growing up as a real estate investor professional, but also being a third generation real estate professional. Be sure to listen to the full episode. You're listening to the REI Branded Podcast. It's for you, the busy real estate investor who wants to stand out from the crowd and attract the right leads, right partners, and right clients every time. My name's Paul Copcut, and each week we'll be looking to decode and uncover what makes a real estate investor brandtastic and how you can apply it to your real estate investing business. Each episode is intended to be valuable, cut to the chase, and actionable so you can begin to implement quickly and easily to get the results you want in your business. Thank you for listening. Now let's get to work on making you brandtastic. Okay, so welcome to this week's episode of REI Branded, and I am excited to introduce you to Steve Padanact. Um, Steve is a third-generation real estate professional and manages multiple businesses, which you're going to find out a little bit more about. And he runs a successful real estate development company, real estate brokerage, real estate management company, a bar and grill in Midtown, New York, and a music label as well. Uh, busy man, busy man. So. He's been able to do all these things successfully and still managed to lose over 30 pounds in 2020, which is awesome. And he has his sights set for even bigger and better things in 2021 and beyond. And especially as he plans to retire by August 19th, his 40th birthday. So let's kick off with that, Steve. Welcome. Um, is, that, is that August August 19th this year? Yeah. So my original plan was to retire by the time I was 40. And, uh, you know, I still have a ways to go. And a lot of people look at me crazy when I say stuff like that. But it's like, you know, when I say retire, I feel like retirement is different for everybody. So like retirement for me literally just meant that like I had enough passive income to cover my bills so that I didn't have to, you know, go out there and worry about where there was uh, food coming on the table that week or if I was able to cover my bills. So for me, retirement meant um, building up enough passive or residual income so that way I didn't have to work for my dollar and let my dollar work for me instead. So and I still have a go. I'm, I'm definitely not going to be there by my 40th. Now I'm, I pushed it kind of back to my 41st at this point. Okay. Well, that's still good. So when you're talking about passive revenue, where, where are your passive revenues coming from? What, uh, how does that split out or how does that look? Yeah. So primarily it comes from real estate investments. Um, you know, I have multiple properties where, um, you know, we, we, we were able to acquire these properties as value add deals. And just for those of you who don't are familiar with that term, it's essentially like you're buying it at a discounted rate and then you put in some sweat equity or uh, financial equity into it and then it adds value to the property. So uh, most of my residual or passive income comes from real estate investments. So is that um, when you're talking about adding adding value to so you adding extra units or are you what what sort of things are you doing it, there's a couple of different ways to look at it i mean you know literally value is such a uh, 
it, it's such a, a large term that you could do it in a number of different ways. So I'll just give you an example. You know, about four or five years ago, my partner and I went out to uh, Hartford, Connecticut, and we picked up some properties that were very, uh, I guess you could say they were dilapidated, where, you know, they were larger complexes. So you've got, you know, like a 30 unit building that only 10 units are occupied. The other 20 units need a tremendous amount of work. Um, we were able to pick the property up. Um, and what we did was stabilize the property. So we got the 20 units um, occupied, and then we ended up getting the income from those apartments. So we added value there by our skill set of going in there and doing the work at a rate that was not going to be, uh, you know, hurt our bottom line and able to manage the properties afterwards. So we didn't, it wasn't like a fix and flip, right. a fix and hold situation, but it was on a much larger scale. So that's like one way that we added value. Um, another way to add value is yeah, by adding units. So like I just recently started getting into development. So, you know, just a, a example is we bought a two story property that, um, on the bottom level had two retail tenants and upstairs was a lawyer's office. Um, it was zoned for three stories. So what we did was okay. we bought the property, um, and the, the seller was just looking to sell it based on the value of what it was. So we were able to buy it. And then what we did was we added a third story. Um, and then we made, we turned the lawyer's office into four apartments and added four apartments on the third story. So in that case, yes, we added you. Wow. wow. That's a great project. That's yeah, a huge a of, difference. You know, we learned a lot in the, in, in the way and kind of like was, is a stepping stone towards other projects. Right. And you say about learning. So third generation real estate. So how, how early in your life were you exposed to kind of real estate and where did that come from? And <laughs> You know, I, I, I tell people this all the time, but there's a movie that, uh, that Joe Pesci did, and it's called The Super. And he's a little kid, and he's running around with his father, and his father's collecting rents. He's got to be maybe seven, eight years old. And, like, I, 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 I kind of compare myself to that because, like, as a kid, you know, my father owned various properties. He managed various properties. So, like, I used to literally be in the car. Like, we'd be going out for dinner. It's like, okay, we got to stop by the building and pick up some rents. Or it would be... You know, we'd be home relaxing, watching a movie, nine, 10 o'clock at night, and he'd get a call that the boiler was down. So, you know, and, and if my mom was sleeping already, maybe he would take me with him, you know, when I got a little bit older. So, you know, literally my entire life, I, I've kind of been exposed to real estate and more so um, making your own hours and making your own dollars. Right. Is that how you got the bug and you kind of got involved yourself? And yeah. So when I graduated college in 2004, um, I got a degree in public relations. So I was a communications major. And my dad, he kind of gave me two choices. He said, listen, he said, if you want, you know, obviously this is your major. This, you chose it for a reason. If you love it, go out, go down to Manhattan. Because, you know, I live in the, in the Bronx, which is just north of Manhattan. Go down to Manhattan, get a job um, and work in that field. Or what you could do is I'll give you a job for 12 months. I'll pay you X amount of dollars per week. It was much less than what I would have made working downtown, but, but I'll teach you how to never have to depend on a man for a check. And hmm. I chose the latter and I basically went to, I call it my master's program <laughs> of working with my father. And he taught me kind of, you know, he, he, he showed me to get my real estate license and he showed me how to make money. And from that point on, you know what? I don't want to go work for somebody else. I want to be able to control my own destiny and I want to be able to make my own hours. I want to be able to take vacations when I want. I want to be able to, you know, I just kind of fell in love with that, this, this sort of controlling where my life was going to go and, and, and working for my money. Right. 
And, and how, what sort of changes have you seen uh, since, you know, that kind of seven, eight-year-old collecting rents? I mean, nowadays, I guess it's all, or a lot of the time, it's it's all direct deposit and everything else. But what else have you seen change? Uh, so the, 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 the biggest thing that I've seen is obviously technology. You know, when I was a kid, you know, um, my, my father and, and working with my father in his office, you know, I remember he had his black book. You know, now we have a Google calendar. He had uh, he, he had all of his pens laid out on the table. Now I have all my technology here. I got my USB cords. I've got my, my, my lighting. I've got all these different things. So technology is one thing that has obviously impacted the, the world, but real estate field in general. Um, but beyond that, prices. I mean, you know, inflation and just the, the way that like, even when I first started in 2005, you could buy a, 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 a 20 unit building in the Bronx for about, I don't know, call it maybe 60, 70,000 a unit. Now those same apartments are going for 150,000 a unit. So the, you know, the, the dollar amount has changed, um, technology. And I think just a matter of me being so, so, so experienced in the field is that you get to know people and you start building relationships with people. So you kind of learn how to do deals and you learn how to kind of navigate certain waters. So, you know, I wouldn't say that necessarily that aspect has changed in real estate, but for me, it's changed me because now I'm able to navigate in different ways. Right. And how have you used... I don't want to skip over cell phones. I mean, you know, for, 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 for crying out loud, my father used to have a beeper. Or, you know, whatever. I don't know how people did business and Google Maps. And, and, and you know, you now, like, you have a navigation on your, on your car, but I don't know how people were finding these properties back in the day. Right. Yeah, I would say is the biggest thing that's changed. Right. And how has that helped you? Because you, you run several businesses, you're not, well, and we'll get into those. But at the moment, you're not just running a real estate business. You're running an entertainment business. You're, you're running a hospitality business. So... How does technology help you from that sense? Mostly from an organizational standpoint and a communication standpoint. So, you know, my Google calendar is everything, right? Like if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist. So for the most part, that allows me to, you know, time block myself. And the first thing I do, and, and, and you know, being with Keller Williams and, and, and being a student of Gary Keller is he teaches us that the first thing you got to time block is your time off. Because you can't, you can't work to you can't work to live you have to i'm sorry you can't live to work you have to work to be able to live and and i want to spend my time you know the way i want to do it so my google calendar i time block myself um and i'm able to say okay on monday mornings i'm going to focus on real estate on tuesday afternoons i'm going to focus on the bar on thursday nights friday nights saturday nights i have to be down at the bar um sundays i work on you know music or however it is so i'm able to do it based on my Google calendar and, and the technology that I have there. And honestly, communications wise, social media, you know, I mean, it's, it's amazing that I can literally manage three or four different social media accounts and communicate my message from all of these different businesses, literally from the palm of my hand. And how, how much has your uh, degree helped you with that as well? How, how much have you kind of been able to transfer some of that? Well, public relations is all about communications. I mean, it's really like, it's, it's just getting your message out there. So I didn't even realize it at the time. And it's a funny story because like, I didn't even know, like I picked public relations because it had, didn't have, it had the least amount of mathematics. I went to, I walked into pre-calculus fresh, uh, uh, freshman year. And I'm like, it looked like I, I couldn't even understand anything. I walked right out 
I went to my counselor. I said, listen, I'm not, I can't take this class. Like I'm, I just didn't have the, I didn't have the capacity for it. I didn't want to do it. And, and it, so they were like, all right, well, you can go into communications where you only have to do the basic algebra stuff, which you've already accomplished in high school. And that's how I ended up on it. And, and that's how I ended up becoming a public relations major and just learning how to communicate without having to pay for the marketing aspect of it was very beneficial because, you know, marketing and public relations are two completely different things. Marketing is more so paying to get your message out there, putting advertisements there. What's going to be in that message? Public relations is more so getting exposure and, and working and getting it without having to necessarily pay for it and communicate your message in a way where you're not paying for the advertisements. So it helps tremendously. How, how- yeah, I was going to say, have you got some examples or how have you used that particularly in your, your real estate business? Because, you know, I think a lot of realtors kind of default to the, you know, the side of a bus, the the <laughs> bench advertising, the bench advertising, and everybody thinks that's that's the only way you can get your name out there. But uh, what what sort of things have you done that have been a little bit different? Yeah. So one of the things I've done is I'd like to focus on, uh, so I've kind of branded myself as like uh your favorite realtor, you know? So like what I do is I, I focus on my sphere of influence or my SOI. So it's people that, and they're basically three, three, three forms of criteria for you to be in my sphere of influence. I have to know you, I have to like you, and I have to want to do business with you. Those three things, if you cover all three of those boxes and you're going to be in my sphere. So what I do is, so for example, like this is, you know, you know, I just met you recently, but now from now on, I'm going to add you to my email list. I'm going to talk to you. Um, I'm going to keep in touch with you at least three or four times a year, uh, maybe through birthday cards, maybe through phone calls, emails, whatever it may be. And I'm going to just keep hammering home to you that I'm your favorite realtor and you don't even realize it. And then when I know somebody that's moving to Canada, maybe I might give you a call or vice versa. I'm going to you know, send out certain messaging to you that says, hey, Paul, if you know somebody moving to New York, make sure you give them my information. Right. Uh, okay. So- communicating without having to pay for the advertising. I'm using emails, which is very low cost. I'm using social media, which is very low cost. Um, I'm using phone calls, which obviously we know is very low cost. Um, And and I'm using um, literally just my relationship with you. And I'm just talking to you about it. So after a while, I'm going to become your favorite realtor in New York. And and you have this great podcast and you probably talk to other people in New York, but I guarantee you after a while, I'm going to be your favorite one. (laughs) Okay. Well, what, We'll keep you to that. <laughs> and so tell us a little bit about the other businesses uh, that you have and, and how that kind of dovetails into what you're doing. Because I'd, I'd kind of be interested to know if you, if you use the entertainment or the hospitality brands that you're, or businesses that you're building to make that even more part of your unique personal brand overall so yeah so you know i i think that what i do primarily and i don't directly advertise my real estate investments at the bar or in the music industry but what i do is i just build relationships with people and, and just have conversations so when i'm there and i'm talking to a customer for example and they're like uh, you know i asked them i said so where are you from where do you live what's this what's that you know because i get to know them they say oh i'm in westchester Oh, or I'm in New York or I'm in the Bronx or whatever it may be. Oh, listen, I just sold the house over there or I did this. And I kind of like just slip in sort of, you know, ways of just letting them know what else I do or um, I, it just kind of always comes natural to me. And I don't necessarily have a plan behind it, but my personality, I like to think I have sort of a magnetic personality where I'm able to kind of just extract information from people and then figure a way to serve them as best I can. 
you know, I, I learned a long time ago um, that my passion in life was really helping people. So in any way possible, I always look to help people. You know, like even, for example, with, with this podcast that you're doing, like I, I, I've already spoken to three or four other, you know, real estate agents and investors and say, hey, listen, if you want to get on a podcast, this guy, Paul, you reached out to me, you know, it might be something that interests you. So I'm trying to help you and serve you just from the limited amount of information that I had with you and serving them and helping them in one way or another. That's, that's a really, so what, when you learned that, what, where did that come from? What, what was the helping people? What was the story behind that? I don't necessarily, I don't, I can't really pinpoint it to one thing. I just kind of learned, like, I got this feeling inside of me, like whenever I was able to help people or somebody asked me to do them a favor, uh, I got this feeling inside of me and it really just kind of like, and even talking about it right now, it kind of gets me a bit, you know, gives me like butterflies and, and like chills because I, I really just enjoy helping people. So it's a feeling that I get every time I help anybody do anything. Like I really feel like a, a sense of fulfillment. I guess it is. And I don't really have a, a one sort of story behind it, but it just was this feeling. And then I realized, you know, I do a lot of reading and, and, and I read a lot of books and I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and I just kind of realized like, wait a second, you know, I enjoy doing that so much. Like this has got to be my passion and this has got to be something that, that moves me. And then I started talking it into existence. So now when I'm talking to people, the same way I'm talking to you, I'm already thinking in my head of other ways that I can help you. And I'm suggesting ideas to you. Right. So it sort of kind of just, I guess, matured in me over the years. Right. And what, what lessons have you learned from your other businesses that have helped you either generally in business or in, in real estate? I mean, how do you, you know, how do you even manage all of that? I, I realize technology helps you, but it's still, you know, most people struggle with running one business. Yeah, I know. <laughs> No. And and yeah, I, I struggle. Like I, I don't want to make it seem like I I've, I've got this all down pat. I'm 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 a constant student of time management. So for me, it's all about my time management. And and you know I I I fail every day. Like you know, for example, like this morning, I wanted to make sure that I I got certain things done before we jumped on this podcast. But I, you know, I didn't get all of it done. So I you know I failed in that aspect. But I look to it and I say, okay, a failure is just a way to learn how to do something better. So you know. For me, I, I got to be time management. Time management is the most important way that I'm able to run my businesses. Um, and just being a constant student and learning from other people, you know, asking questions, talking to people who are more successful than I am, putting myself in rooms uh, of with people that are where I want to be or where I aspire to be. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the way that I run all the businesses. And as far as like lessons, I think it's really marketing, like marketing and, and public relations and communications, because like, you know, being the owner of a bar in, in Midtown, you have so many people coming at you with the, all these different products. And I try to look at ways to say, okay, wait a second, how can I use this not only for the bar, but how can I use it for my real estate business? How can I use it for the music business? How can I use it to help my uh, investment companies? So I, I think being in all, having my hands in so many different sort of pots, so to say, it allows me a wider sort of audience of people that are coming at me and offering me different products and different things. So I'm able to kind of weed out stuff. So wait a second, I tried that already in real estate. I didn't, it didn't work for me there. It's not going to work for me here at the bar. Right. And your bar, so we should tell people it's a dueling pianos bar, isn't it? I've been to one here in, here in Canada and it's so much fun. I'd never been to one before and it's just incredible uh, experience. How did you get involved in that and how did you get involved in, in the music label? 
So the bar is called Bar Nine. We are uh, we're branded as NYC's original dueling pianos. My uh, my older brother, who actually got me into the bar business when I was 18 years old, he had a very successful dueling piano bar in New York City in Virginia Beach, um, New York City, Virginia Beach, and also up in Westchester County. Um, him and his partner, they just you know kind of parted ways, and they had uh, they wanted they had different life paths. So he approached me and he said, "Hey, listen, you know, I'm thinking about opening up another bar. Do you want to be my partner?" I said, "Okay." And so, how, what's it going to be? And he's like, "Listen, I'm going to bring the pianos there." And I thought it was a great idea because at that time there were no piano bars in New York City, and that was seven years ago. Now there's two or three of them, and but we are branded and going back to my public relations, we're NYC's original <laughs> pianos. Right. Um, so that's kind of how I got into the bar business. And as far as the music label, again, it just kind of parlayed. I had a conversation at the bar with a customer and he was telling me about how he, uh, how he had a, uh, his brother was a successful music producer. And he said to him that uh, he was looking for investors to invest in a music label. And I had told him that one of my bucket list items was that I wanted to have a record on the top on the Billboard 100. It was just kind of a silly thing that I put down one day. I'm like, you know what? I want to get like, I want to get a record on the wall, you know, of my office. And it was just like a silly conversation over, a, you know, over a beer. And and he was like, oh, well, I'll introduce you to my brother. I said, okay, cool. Met his brother, who was a very successful producer. We had a great conversation. He was looking for investors. Um, so we kind of just, you know, we merged, and um, I invested in the company, and the company's doing very well right now. I think you really are underlying the importance of not just communications, but conversations, relationships without an agenda necessarily going. I think a lot of people go into business conversations or they go into networking or they've got their networking hat on all the time, but they're always thinking about what's in it for me. And it sounds to me like you reverse that very much so and, and benefit from it because people are saying, well, Steve's coming to me because he's trying to help me versus it's all about Steve. You know it's it's kind of like you know and i don't i don't want to get too uh too religious here but it's the golden rule you know treat other people how you want to be treated you know if if you're constantly coming from a sense of service then nobody ever thinks that you have an agenda behind you and they'll always be willing to help you in return so whenever you do need that favor and whatever you know that you do need some sort of help people will always be there cuz they'll remember what you did for them and again that's not why i do things because but it just—it's a result of it. Uh, so I had—I th- had a question which was was going to be so people trying to get into you know business generally or maybe kicking off in the real estate business. What would be the three ways that people could initially kind of get traction? And I think you've kind of underlined communication, and you've underlined relationships. What else would you say are the key things that people need to be thinking about if they're either looking to get into real estate or they're looking to grow or expand their real estate business? So I think if you're trying to get into real estate, whether you're trying to be an investor or whether you're trying to be a real estate agent, or if you're getting anything that you're trying to do in real estate, I think the key is to educate yourself. I think you constantly have to be reading. You constantly have to be listening to other people um, um, and learning what other people have done. Like success leaves clues. Like you just have to go back and look and see what people, what worked for them and kind of copy it to a degree and then add your own flair to it. So I think it's educating yourself and, and, and being a, a lifelong student of the field. 
you can't get into any business and not be a student and not not learn what other people have done and know who the successful people are. Um, I would say education and then find a mentor, find a coach, you know, find somebody who, who is willing to take the time to sit with you maybe once a week or once a month, whatever it is, and give you some sort of guidance and be coachable. I think those was things your, are, are extremely important. Was your, was your dad your mentor, would you say, or have you kind of taken that further and, and gone with other people and had the benefit of other mentors? Listen, you know, from 2004 to 2009, when he, when he passed away, every single moment of every single day, he was constantly teaching me something, hmm. how to be a better man, how to be a better real estate agent, how to be a better person, how to be a good, you know, how to be a good father, how to be, he just taught me how to be a better person. And, and, and it just kind of led off into so many different ways. So absolutely 100% my father was my mentor. Um, and, and even to this day, like, you know, he, um, a year before he passed, you know, he was diagnosed with throat cancer and about six months, mm. into, six months into the diagnosis, he had to get a, um, a tracheotomy. So basically he wasn't able to speak. They took his voice box out. And, you know, for my father, like, you know, he always taught us the pen was mightier than the sword. So his words were his strength, so to say. Um, so he ended up having to write everything to us. So, you know, and I didn't realize it at the time. And, and you know, it's kind of like, you don't realize this, but you know, at the time it's like, oh, it's the worst thing in the world. You know, he's not able to speak and, and he's not going to enjoy, you know, the remainder of time. But what he did was he wrote everything down. So now I have literally, I have a, a folder about like this thick full of notes that he wrote to me. And every time wow. I need some guidance or every time I'm feeling like I, I need to, you know, I miss him or whatever. I sit down, I sit down at my desk and I just start reading it and I'm there with him. So what was once the biggest cloud that was hanging over all of us that he couldn't speak has now turned into the biggest blessing because he's literally here with me every single day. So, you know, he was my mentor 100%. Um, and, and I always look for new mentors. You know, there, there's always the, the, the new guy out there and you kind of learn what they're doing. But, you know, my first and, and, and primary mentor was my father. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story. That, that's incredible. That, that almost sounds like that could be a book. Everybody could, everybody could learn from that would be. I'm, I'm actually in the process of turning it into a book. Wonderful. Yeah. I, actually, I released well, my, put, put, put me down for a cop, put me down for a copy because that, that would be something I, I would love, to, I would love I to read. But yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. So like I'm turning, I'm taking those pages and what I'm doing is I am pulling out certain lessons and I'm turning it into a book and I'm, I'm going to basically call it, you know, like letters from my father. And it's a, it's a working title, but just kind of how he was able to help me and how he, how everybody can use these lessons in their daily, everyday lives. Hmm. Wonderful. Great. Fantastic. That's, that's a great legacy to leave. A uh, few, few questions to kind of wrap up. Um, first of all, favorite brand, what's your favorite brand and, and why? Um, my favorite brand, you know, it's, it's gotta be Keller Williams. <laughs> what okay. Gary able to do, and for those of you who are not familiar with Gary Keller, please just do a quick Google search. What he's been able to do for the real estate business and for the real estate agent is just second to none. I mean, you know, it's, it's, he, he, he claims that he is, uh, Keller Williams is an agency um, for agents by agents. And I would say Keller Williams, just everything they do, everything from Red Day, they give back to the community, um, to the family reunion where he, you know, you get you know a couple thousand different Keller agents from all over the world in the same room. The technology, the training, the education, the books. He, he's not only done 
put out books about real estate agents, but he's also done books about flipping properties, investing properties, holding properties. I would say Keller Williams has got to be my number one brand out there. Okay. And recommended business book or podcast? You said you read a lot, you listen to a lot. So have you got some favorites that you would recommend? Sure. You know, I always go for Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I mean, that was the first financial literacy book that I ever read. So I recommend recommend Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You know, learn the difference between an asset and a liability. Um, I think that if, if, if everybody read that book, they'd realize that they did have probably a rich dad and a poor dad in their life. Um, I think that um, that book is, is, is tremendous for everybody. I would go with, um, what else would I go with? I mean, if I had to recommend Atomic Habits. Um, mm-hmm. oh, James Habits. Clear. James Clear, yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. Life-changing. Um, yeah. I'd go Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. You know, so mm-hmm. those, those are just a couple. And I feel like those, and I didn't want to just stick to business because like atomic habits and outliers have nothing to do with real estate, have nothing to do with financial literacy, but it's about making you a better person. And it's about understanding the world that's around you and how everything that happens, happens for a reason. And I, I would add uh, Gary Keller's one thing as well, because I, I have post. I have a post-it note in front of me here. I've got a post-it note on my desk. What's the one thing that you're going <laughs> to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably yeah. have that completely drilled into you. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The domino effect. You know, one small thing, you know, you get that. What's the one thing you could do today that by doing so makes everything else either easier or unnecessary? Right. There you go. You got it. You got it down. Current tool or resource. We were talking about technology. So what are you enjoying using at the moment that's helping you? I got to be honest. It's, it's, it's a, a drone. I'm using a ah. drone. I've gotten into, and it's cool because like you're an adult now. So like you have adult toys, right? <laughs> so I've got, <laughs> I've got this drone and it's helping me. I'm taking on all my real estate videos and it's helping me get more engagement on social media. And it's bringing like, I'm like a kid in a candy shop. I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this and I'm learning different things. So I'd say my favorite tool right now would have to be my drone. Hmm. I was, um, a quick kind of side story. I was speaking at a conference a few years ago, and uh, Casey Neistat was one of the keynote speakers. It was Gary Gary V and uh, Casey Neistat. And uh, Casey turned up with two suitcases. One was his overnight bag, and the other one was full of drones. <laughs> he, he literally he literally went outside of the conference and did a whole bunch of shooting and had one of the big drones flying around and. Uh, yeah, he was. He's, he does amazing videos. Um, yeah, they, they are, and, and you know what's cool is just going back to what I was telling you about being for about being a student is now I'm like learning this new skill, and I'm spending time. I and I have it time blocked. I say, okay, I'm going to watch about an hour to two hours a week of just learning how to take different drone videos and how to get better at that. And over the course of a year, you know, by the end of a year, I'll be I'll be excellent at it and I'll be able to do more and I'll be able to, you know, again, serve people more because I'll be able to give them better visuals on their properties and I'll be able to give better sort of, uh, um, um, in, you know, videos for people to watch on my social media. And I use it for sale by owners too. Like, you know, here's a, uh, a little hack for real estate agents. When you're calling up and you want to differentiate yourself from the crowd, tell them that you come out and you shoot a free drone video for them. And you'll give it to them so they can use it as their marketing and tell them you're not there to basically, you know, try to get them to sell the house with you. But if you're, you, you would love to be second option. 
and come and provide value to them. So that way, when they're, when, if they're not able to sell their house, they'll say, hey, listen, you know what? Steve, you did the right thing by me. You gave me that cool video. You know what? Why don't you try to sell it now? Or maybe they'll tell their neighbors. But again, it's coming from a sense of service. Right. Good tip. I like that. So we've had um, Gary Keller's one thing quote. And, and before we started the, the podcast, you were sharing with me a quote from your uncle, which I loved. And perhaps <laughs> you can share that with, uh, with uh, the audience. And then also, if you have another favorite quote, then that'll be great. So, you know, my uncle, you know, ever since my father passed, my uncle has become a uh, father figure. My uncle and my two older brothers. You know, I, I was blessed to, to, to be the youngest of three boys or three males. So I had, you know, three older male role models in my life. So when my father passed, my two older brothers have stepped in tremendously by being role models for me. Um, and my uncle, um, who is my father's older brother, um, he has also stepped in tremendously. You know, he had two older brothers as well. My father was the youngest of three. So I had two older, I had two uncles and I had two older brothers. So basically four males that all kind of helped fill that void. And of course you can never fill the void of a missing a father, but they helped just give me some guidance in different ways. So my uncle, just to go back to the quote, my uncle tells me to win the day. He says, identify three or four different things or identify one thing that you could do that will, you'll look at the end of the day when you sit down and you're brushing your teeth and you're in the mirror and say, I won today, you know, win the day. If you could win the day and you look back over the course of a month, and you have more wins than losses, you had a good month. You multiply that by the course of a year, you multiply that course of five years, 10 years, and then you look back at your life and you say, you know what, I, I won more days than I lost, I lived a good life. So my uncle tells me to win, that's something that I, I hold true to. Um, Would you say that's your favorite favorite quote or do you have another quote? that you? No, nah, I think that's more of a mantra for me at this point. Right. Okay. <laughs> more of a mantra. You know, my uh, my favorite quote has to be, you know, it's, it's got to come from my father and it's, and he said, you know, you could do more. What's the quote? Um, you could do more with your, you could only do so much with your hands, but with your brain, you could do anything. And, and, and we literally have that this tombstone and it kind of taught me to say that, you know what, like, you gotta be able to, you gotta be able to think. And if you could outthink and you could, you know, get yourself out of situations and, and figure out a way to kind of manage every situation. You don't necessarily need to go out there and work and break your back every single day, you know, whatever it may be. And I have a lot of respect for blue collar guys. I have a lot of respect for, you know, the construction workers and for the police officers. I have a ton of respect and that's the path that they chose, but it just wasn't the right path for me. Um, I needed to be able to use my brain instead of my brawn. And, and that's why that's my favorite quote. Okay. I've got a recommended, I don't know if you've heard the book, um, heard of the book, The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. I haven't read it, but I've heard the book. Yeah. So he, he has at the end of every chapter is a, a, an action to take around thinking because okay. he says business people, pe business people just don't take enough time to stop and think. They're always go, 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 go. And they're, they're being reactive instead of being proactive. So. I've heard stories of like Steve Jobs and like all these, you know, Bill Gates and, and all these, they take like, literally they take like a week off and they just go sit somewhere and they just think and they just, and they meditate and they just kind of, they just unwind and then they come back with fresh ideas. So it, there's gotta be something to that. And, and, you know, meditate and, 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 you know, yoga and meditation and kind of just being one with your thoughts and being aware of your breaths 
it helps you and energizes you. So that way you can be the most productive version of yourself. Perfect. So very important. The teachers used to say, put your thinking caps on. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's very true. How can people get hold of you, Steve? What's the best way? And also, I understand you have a book. So um, you may want to mention that too. I do. Yes. So I published my first book about uh, about a year ago, and it's called uh, Sell Your Home for Top Dollar. Um, It's basically just tips and tricks for uh, people who are looking to sell their home, you know, how to stage the house, um, you know, how to price the house, you know, various tips for homeowners. Um, Again, I wanted to give back and I wanted to use that as a way for me to kind of give it to people without me having to go into contract and and, and then contract me to sell the house. Um, So I would say that the best way to get me would probably be on social media. Um, you know, I can give you my, uh, my Instagram or my email address, and I guess you can just put them as links in the, in the bio, I'll but put them in the show, I'll put them in the show notes for sure. Yeah. 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 Just find me on social media. It's at Steve underscore pad. And you'll see there that there's a ton of, uh, different things. It's not just real estate. It's life advice. It's, it's life hacks. And, and I'm not an expert to be honest with you. Like, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time and, and inviting me to your podcast, but I'm just a student and I'm just here to give back and learn what I have been taught. And I feel like if I'm able to do that and I'm able to help one person, then, then, then my day has been a success. Great. Fantastic. Well, um, you are now my favorite realtor in New York city. So <laughs> We appreciate your time today, Steve, and uh, we wish you all the best for the future and uh, look forward to your retirement party next year. Oh, yeah. I'll be sure to invite you. And if I ever come up to, uh, to Canada, we'll be sure to get up together, okay? Yeah, definitely, for sure. Okay. Thank you, Steve. All right. Thank you for your time. And if you're wondering where your real estate investing brand currently stands and some steps to make it more brandtastic, you can download our free REI brand checklist at reibranded.com forward slash checklist. That's reibranded.com forward slash checklist. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.